following podcast is brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome to Confessing the Faith, a theological and devotional walk through the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. I am your host, Sam Waldron. I'm one of the pastors of Grace Reformed Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky, and the president of Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Today we will be considering the subject of chapter two of the Confession of God and the Holy Trinity. And this is our second time in meditating upon it. Last time we concluded our meditation on the attributes of God by considering the cluster of statements which point to the divine simplicity. Rather than making God an impersonal thing with whom it's impossible to have a relationship, we saw that his simplicity means that his character and affection towards us as his people will never change. This is the theme, actually, of the next cluster of attributes mentioned in the Confession. Together they speak of God's infinity, and here are the words of the Confession, who is immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, every way infinite, most holy, most wise, most free, most absolute. Even in Christian theologians today, we meet with views of God which attribute mutability, change, and being subject to time to God. God, however, is the great I am, who is not subject to time or change. This is the point of the name Yahweh. Exodus 3.14 says, God said to Moses, I am whom I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent me to you. And the same transcending of time implied in Exodus 3.14 is present when Jesus takes that text and applies it to himself, speaking of his divine nature in John 8.58. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. The attributes of eternity, <clears throat> immutability, and infinity imply each other. An infinite God who dwells above or transcends time cannot be subject to the changes which time affects. Thus he can say of himself in Malachi 3.6, For I, the Lord, do not change, therefore you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. The infinity of God with regard to time and change does not undermine the possibility of a relationship with God. Rather, it stabilizes it. It means that nothing can change his love for us and determination to save us. But then the confession speaks of sovereignty, the sovereignty of God. In the words, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory. If God is eternal and immutable, then so must be his eternal decree. His eternal plan cannot change. God is sovereignly capable of working out everything according to that eternal blueprint. The classic statement of this in all the Bible may be that of Paul in Ephesians 1.11, where he says that, quote, we have obtained an inheritance having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his will. Such a God is surprised by nothing and prepared for anything and may be trusted in everything because it is always his eternal plan that is being worked out in history and in our lives. And then the confession speaks of the love of God. In the words, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, 
forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin. The love of God is often debased by the low views of godhood so prevalent around us. Nevertheless, it is one of the fundamental attributes stressed by the confession. The confession stresses it because the Bible does. In fact, the confession alludes to one of the classic descriptions of the divine nature found in Exodus 34, 6, and 7, which emphasize the love of God. Those verses read in part, Then the Lord passed by in front of him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. The greatness of God must never obscure for us the greatness of his love for us as his people and our confidence in his care and willingness and his willingness to forgive our sins. But then in the last phrases of paragraph one, the confession speaks of divine justice. In the words, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him and withal most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. The final category or cluster of the attributes of God of which the confession speaks here is the category of the justice of God. The very same description of the glory of God just quoted from Exodus 34 actually concludes with this emphasis as well. Quote, yet he will by no means leave the guilty unpunished, visiting the iniquity of fathers on the children and on the grandchildren to the third and fourth generations, Exodus 34, 7. Love in God never leads to a making light of sin. It does lead to the sending of his son as a propitiation for our sins. The love of God for us makes a way for him to be just, and the justifier of the one who believes in Jesus. Thank you for listening to Confessing the Faith on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more about how you can partner with us, in providing informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, visit cbtseminary.org.